Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week, we're joined by Nick Walsh, the CEO of VML YMR Commerce. Y and R. It's a bit of a mouthful. It's a mouthful. Uh, yeah, I said uh, YML earlier. VML. We'll talk about all that. Uh, yeah, the CEO of VML YNR Commerce in the Middle East and North Africa. So he's heading a network of offices from the hub here in Dubai. Nick's business management experience spans a variety of clients such as BAT, Unilever, JSK, Coca Cola, Mars. Guardian, Audi, and BP Castrol, to name a few. So really household names there. He's a pioneer in the activation space, focusing on ensuring his team become authority in the core offerings of e-commerce and experiential. Uh, Nick is passionate about people and inspires them to achieve great things. And if you see their office, you'll see how many awards that they've won. Uh, so really credible uh, company and uh, leader in the marketing region here. So just a quick uh, one about what I, I fumbled earlier, VML, YNR, Commerce, they're part of WPP, so the Creative Transformation Company. They're the newest end-to-end creative commerce company, uh, and they're built on the expertise of geometry scales through VML, YNR's connected brand promise. And Nick will talk a lot more about that as well. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Rich. Thanks a lot. You got through that pretty well in the end. Yeah. Well done. What, you must have to do it every day. So how do you yeah. describe the company and the role? Oh, it's, um, it's again, VML, YNR, Commerce. It is a bit of a mouthful. Um, but ultimately, you know, we're, again, part of WPP, so Creative Transformation Company. WPP has kind of four key pillars into the future. So technology, commerce, experience, and technology. Uh, VML YNR group very much plays across that, but our commerce division, of which I'm in charge of, um, we really focus on that on those two pillars of commerce and experience. Mm. So um, yeah, it's exciting, exciting time to be part of this kind of commerce evolution. I'll talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, but it's um, it's it's good because we're an agency that are focused and really clear on what we do, and that allows us to be specialist and. Um, attract the right talent, make sure we have the right skill sets across the agency. So yeah, it's a, it's, okay. a, it's a good moment. Okay, so yeah, exactly. You, a lot of buzz terms, and we will have a lot of marketing buzz terms and acronyms as well, but it's a real business story as well. We'll talk about the pandemic and everything. Yeah. But just in terms of history, so I had to get Wikipedia up. <laughs> um, and uh, so in, in the, back in the past, VML, which is uh, the surnames, and people will recognize the names of these agencies, of how they come up with Valentine McCormick and Ligi Bell in 1992 uh, in Kansas. And then YNR, Young and Rubicon, which is very famous from 1923 from the, and often cited in the Mad Men era. And both of those were eventually acquired in, in uh, 2000 and then 2001 into WPP. So, so, yeah, so some of this will be news news to me. Even I think, uh, <laughs> I think some of this is before my time. But no, just I think just to build on it. So um, I've been part of WPP for fifteen years. So I, I started my career in, in Ogilvy, uh, which again is one of the one of the key drive uh, creative drive brands of of uh, WPP. I started out in London, um, moved to the Dubai to the region about twelve years. So I've been in the region for twelve years. Um, the Ogilvy brand is a very big one as you know here and you know really successful agency here um, 
and we started an agency called Ogilvy Action back then. So that was around 2008, so pre the pandemic. Um, that agency was the first real, what I would call shopper marketing or brand activation agency in the region, certainly the one that was multinational with, with offices around the world. Um, and the last, uh, that was just before the crash, 2008, the, the previous crash. And um, the business um, actually really grew through that because we were, I think, here in the region for the first time, really focusing on shopper marketing, driving conversion, driving purchase. And I think that was quite new from the more mass media approach that brands had taken during the time. So as, as we evolved, Ogilvy Action grew, became a very successful agency. Um, we then became Geometry. Uh, so you'll still see the geometry name that we hold today. So geometry as shopper marketing evolved. I'll talk a little bit more about how shopper retail and commerce as a as a segment of the marketing mix has evolved. And I think we've evolved as an agency with it. So we became um, geometry in 2015, and that was a so to, so this will link back to your question in terms of mergers. So at the time we were merged three agencies. So. Gray, uh, Ogilvy, and JWT had shopper or activation agencies, of which Ogilvy Action was one. They're all the creative agencies, big brands, part of WPP. Yes, and and they and each of them had a shopper or retail or what some people might still refer to, even though we get it today, it's below the line. So BTL. Okay. If you go back to you know, depending on when when you studied marketing, you'd, you'd refer to it as BTL. Yeah. So their BTL agencies were merged together to form Geometry. So Geometry became, and I think this is where you and I worked worked closer together, but back in yeah. the days but um, geometry became the kind of the uh, unifier of all things retail shopper experiential trade marketing for all of WPP so we would plug in and work with the lead creative agencies we'd plug in and work with the mind shares um, and the media agencies we'd work with PR agencies as mm. well and almost became a, a kind of amplifier in that mm. in that part of the of the marketing mix uh, really successful time. Geometry brand over the last six years has grown. You've been to the offices. Really proud of what we what we um, have achieved in that time. We've built the brand from scratch, uh, in in across the region. You know, real specialist people, as I mentioned. So mm. I think the difference is uh, again from a from a strategy. So from a from a, from a conce uh, conceptual strategic side of things, they're always thinking about conversion. How do we get people to buy products? Mm. Likewise, with our creative teams, they're not necessarily thinking about the next big brand film or the next big advertising campaign, they're thinking more about solution-based creative and that's where some of our best work's been done, mm. right the way through to execution and whether that execution is in a physical store or on a commerce site or um, or just outside and, and you know it might be it might be down at the beach wherever mm. it might be but wherever conversion is and again we'll come on to that mm. that later um, and then midway through pandemic last year we became uh, we took the VML YNR brand on as you, as you mentioned there and again it's the evolution so VML YNR one of the real power brands within WPP uh, commerce is a big part of what of what they do so it was a natural um, move to put the VML YNR commerce business which I which I look after within is, the group and Nick is that blurring the line again with below the line and, and being you know uh, at the creative concept part are how much of it is related to sort of what you alluded to at the start in terms of the four key things for WPP and the alignment that's happened within the group yeah it's look, I think it's it's quite rare these days for, for brands to want just one part of the mix they do want uh, you know the complete offering and so it, of course it blurs the lines we get certain brands that come to us with a particular sales or uh, uh, it might be an awareness, or it might be in a trial challenge. So it's always at that end of the of the funnel, um, and we we can we can develop 
campaigns and solutions that work for them. Otherwise, we'll work together with the other WPP agencies. Integration is really important. So we work with the branding agencies, the media agencies, the PR agencies to give total solutions and that's mm. becoming more and more common. So, but it works both ways, whichever's, whichever's right for the, the challenge we can, we can work. Yeah. And, and this was, so compared with the other mergers that WPP did last year, is, is this the final one or is this, is it? Yeah. Hey, not, not sure, not, not sure to be honest, but it's, um, so you know where it sits for you. Yeah, guys, exactly. Yeah. We're, we're really clear. So yeah, there was the, the gray and NKQA merger last year. There's been, and, and again, it, it, I think what WPP does very well, it's a head, it's the largest in the world mm. of its type is, is it, is it moves ahead and, and, and these, these mergers are made for good reasons and mm. in the changing landscape of marketing, which as yeah. you, and media, which as you know, is, is changing by the second. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, it's important. It's so, so yeah, brilliant, amazing. I don't want to skip past this section without asking you about what London advertising was as a young guy, because it's a very hard and it's also very exciting. Like how was the start for you? What did you study marketing and what was it like getting that job? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. I, I look back at this a lot um, and I'll link it to, to today. So yeah, I studied marketing. I always had a a passion for that part of the business um, and I particularly liked the creative side of the agency world which is what what drew me to it and I liked the the complete total thinking as I say from strategy through to seeing something you've done and also like the diversity so the fact that you could one day be working on a on a FMCG product uh, or a sports product or a media uh, title it was or, or, or cars you know that gave that was exciting for me so I studied uh, marketing focused on advertising communications um, and yeah I think it's, it's a really good point because I think you know to get a job in a big advertising named advertising that agency is. in in London or in any you know in any developed market is, is really tough really quite difficult and um, so I did internships I worked hard and I think it made me really appreciate how how difficult it is and so when I came to Dubai which was a which was a big move again as you know similar experiences you and I I think that opportunity to get international experience um, was was a big one looking for Ogilvy here for me I, I kept the same principles it's, you should it should it's, it's, it's people shouldn't want to work in a business because it's working for a multinational they should want to they should love the industry respect what how much these brands have done over the years mm. and, and and it should be a real achievement to get in so mm. um, yeah I'm, I'm really proud of, of the career and for, and for me staying with the same group for a long period of time is, is yeah. I think is, is, is quite rare. So um, yeah, it's, it's been good for me. The training's been good. The experience has been good. But, um, but yeah, for, I think for young people trying to get into advertising, you need to learn to, to love it. You should be looking at the, the shows, looking at the work, mm. you know, looking at how, what brands are. You really need to become, it's not just about the university studies. You've got to really have a passion for, for what we do. And do you, is it the same now where, you know, in the, in the 2020s, do you think what it was like in London at that time when you started, uh, do you see young people having the same passion for marketing uh, when they're starting out, yeah, I mean, I think you know we're going to go back and forth from from today to, okay. to you know to, to ten, fifteen years ago. I think look, the challenge now is that maybe the let's call it the advertising industry, marketing and media industry, mm. you know, there's so many more options now. So people can sure. go could you know might have the same might get the same from working for you know one of the big social companies, for example. A lot of them are building their own in-house agencies. A lot of brands are building their own in-house agencies too. Mm -hmm. 
So I think it's more competitive. You know, we've always been a talent business. It's always been about the people because ultimately, yes, our product is a, solu a marketing solution, a piece of creative uh, creativity which does something different Sounds for our clients. Problem, yeah. But our but our product is dependent on the on the people and the talent we have. Um, and I think you know what I'll always very much fly the flag for the Middle East as a as a place. And I think we've had a tough reputation over the years for the for the quality of agencies. When we, you know, with, with what we do as, as a specialism, you know, we have 56 offices around the world and, and Dubai is one of the top 10 best offices, both in quality Amazing. and standards and the work we do. Uh, and I, I very much fly the flag for us as, as the only truly international global hub. Mm. Um, so quite often we're having to do global pitches for brands where they want, you know, they want to provide a solution across the whole world that's consistent. Mm. For me, there's no better place than Amazing. Dubai to do it because we have, with 33 nationalities under one roof, we've kind of got every corner of the world covered. So truly we're international. And even if you think about international hubs like New York or London or Singapore, the base of talent is mm. still from that market. Yes, you've got a mix, but here it's truly an international hub. And I think that's a really important when we talk about diversity at the moment, it's never a problem we have with diversity because mm. it is we're completely diverse and we'll always strive for that. So we we you know we we're, we're strong in terms of making sure we don't hire all the same nationality, making sure it's a beautiful mix because that's yeah. ultimately where great work comes from. It's great to hear, and it's great to hear. I think for people who might think that some of these international brand names just have a an address, but to have pioneering work coming out of here. And speaking of that, uh, pioneers, there was the sad recent passing of. Uh, Eddie Mitran, which who was one of the uh, industry leaders here and particularly cl uh, part of the Ogilvy story, um, you know, you would have worked very closely with him. And how, what, uh, what you spoke about, uh, the legacy that he's created for the work that's possible now. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, of course. Look, it was it was an incredibly sad moment for for me personally, for the the, the agency, the Memac group of which Eddie founded and the industry as a whole. I mean, you saw that, I think you saw the impact. Um, mm. the, the guy was a, was a giant of the industry, um, uh, incredibly great mentor. So many people who were in a transient place like the Middle East, so much great talent came through thanks to him. He always um, made sure that that talent passed on to the next generation. He, he helped to grow people, he helped to guide people. He's an incredibly good, good guide for me mm. um, and he's really missed but people like that they, they founded the industry here and the knowledge they had and the, and the, the way in which they, they they the client relationships they had and the understanding of the region second to none and, yeah. and I think you know it, 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 it he taught me an awful lot um, mm. and again gave me the opportunities to become you know one of the younger CEOs in, in the group he trusted Amazing. me but it, it's again really important you know the the as a as an as an Englishman in the Middle East, you have to understand nuances and understand the region, understand the business, but you have to embrace the talents here. Mm. And you know that's something that, that Eddie Eddie very much taught me. And yeah, yeah we'll we'll miss him. He was he was one of a kind. Yeah, and inspiration, and as you said, recognised globally. You know his reputation is high up in WPP globally as a creative leader. Very much so. Yeah, mm. as, a, as a shareholder, as a founder, and, and you know I think. He was always striving for what's next, and I think that's another big merit. And it's 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 a it's a important thing for all of us. You know, we have to 
we have to we have to as, as you do we have mm. to keep moving forward and he would always you know he opened up ogilvy action he opened up ogilvy pr he he had uh, he obviously ran the group m and mindshare mm. businesses as you know uh, in research he was pushing the digital agenda he was pushing the social agenda there was all it was always about what's next in the industry and i think yeah. it was you know there's a lot to be lot to be learned but yeah a giant a really a giant in the industry well thanks for sharing that and it's, it's good to kind of see you know the living breathing of what he created of how it lives on as well so it's amazing to see um but speaking and touching on some of those points in terms of knowing what's next and some of the trends and kind of maybe ending up with where we are where you are now with really leading edge uh commerce what are some of the trends that you've navigated uh, over the years, and how do agencies assess those those in terms of uh, client offerings? Yeah, okay. I mean, I'll talk a little bit about, as I say, about our, how our again, I'm 15 years experience in what was below the line. Um, yeah, um, and you know, back in those days, we very much talked about non-traditional media or media which wasn't necessarily on the rate card of TV or out of home and radio and such like that. So, you know, a lot of sampling, a lot of trial. Um, and, and, and to be honest, it's, it, the, the, our industry has evolved significantly. So, and, it, and actually, the best way to look at it is even you as you buy things, you buy, you buy watches, you buy uh, you know, drinks, you buy bikes, you buy, <laughs> you buy shoes, you buy a mobile phone. Yeah. Right? Um, and, 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 you know, purchase has, has changed incredibly. So if you look back in those days, it was very much about, you see, maybe you saw an ad on TV. Or something yeah and you went to the shop and you put and you purchased it right that was that was purchase in those days and we t used to talk back in those days about purchase decision journeys very linear okay i'm triggered to buy something whether that be i need a new car because my one's broken down or i'm thirsty and i need a drink <laughs> yeah. that's your trigger okay and then there's a there's steps Human you took to buy it but <laughs> the trigger to purchase in those days was i need this yeah i go you know you might have gone to a dealership and spoken to them about the car you buy the car yeah um, and then, then marketing persuades you to need things that you didn't need. Exactly, and that's you know, so, and that's and that's impulse purchase. So that's okay. a big part of what we do as well, right? So this and and actually impulses. I'll come on to it. Impulses are really big thing now because of the number of ways you can the impulse you could you know the, yeah. the, the media is, is so so much significant. Um, so obviously BTL changed to shopper, and I think our growth in shopper marketing, particularly in this region. One thing about here versus, let's say, Europe, for example, is the physical shopping experience is is fantastic. If you th if you look at the quality of the malls, if you look at the quality of the shops, the cleanliness, the experiences you Definitely. get, second to none. If you think back to maybe the high street in the UK mm. uh, where where you live, it's it's not the same. Yeah. No. So so um, when we we first started to push the the idea of shopper marketing, that was very much about um, bringing a sense of um, much more. Um, much more rigor into how we communicate in store and physical store. So there we'd be looking at proximity to a store. So that might be within a mall, that might be outside of a store. What's the right messaging to, to pull you into that store to make the purchase? Okay. Then we'd look at different zoning. So you, you from proximity, you'd come into um, transition. So when you go into the store, how do we remind people that um, it's our product you need to buy, not another. Um, so one of our most famous pieces of work was for Lifeboy. I don't know if you saw that one. So the handle on hygiene, where we created an innovation which sat on trolley handles. 
So uh, it was a piece of point of sale, but it sat on the cart, trolley handle cart, mm. and it swiped life buoy ah. disinfectant across the, tro- across the trolley. Really famous piece of work from this region that's gone global, won lots of awards, and still is used today, obviously with the pandemic, very, Absolutely. very relevant. But, but if you're ready for the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, but a, but a wonderful piece of communication, when you think about it, what it was doing was, it was very disruptive. Mm. So it put that brand top of mind in a place where you wouldn't have been able to do that before. Mm. You got to experience it, um, there was a clear benefit for the shopper as they walked in. This is great. There's a benefit for the customer or the retailer in that occasion because the retailer is able to offer their customer something which would attract them to their store versus the other. And obviously a clear brand benefit because the brand is able to demonstrate exactly what it does at that moment. So mm. that was incredibly effective shopper marketing at that time because it put that brand at the top of the agenda versus, versus others. Mm. Uh, and then and did you measure that? Obviously if it won awards, but you would see people sort of at some point then put that product into their basket. Exactly that, yeah. yeah. So 300% uplift in sales, Amazing. top of mind number, but incredible yeah. amount. And again, new, new new ways to engage consumers rather than, and, and I'll come on to point of sale. I keep remembering things I'll come yeah. on to, but I'll talk about that. And then we, you know, we, we push people through the zones through to impulse, as I mentioned. So, and you've done it before. You've walked into a store wanting to buy one thing and come out with 10 other things, right? This That's smart, that's smart marketing um, and understanding again, what's at, What's people's need sets? How do they? Uh, how do we understand? Um, you know, how do we fulfil a, a moment like that? And then right the way through to what we call destination. So that would be at the point of sale when I when I'm cho- when I'm given a five brands to choose from. So things like planogramming, things like communication at their pricing, promotions. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of our mix, and that was shopper marketing. Then obviously what happened is the the growth and e-commerce, we're going to talk about e-commerce a, a, a lot as we go, but e-commerce is, is a big topic now. But in truth, e-commerce has been, has been around for some time. So we moved from kind of shopper to what we call omni-channel. Mm. So that was then suddenly, rather than watching TV and being inspired by something or speaking to a friend and, being, and then going and buying it, you were then start, you were able to research, so you were able to look at websites, you were able to, and you were obviously interrupted with, with social channels and, and, and uh, you know, the, the options became a lot more. So obviously what brands were doing there with the same zoning principles in mind was looking at how do I interact with consumers and shoppers on an omni-channel level, so both on and offline. And the, again, the beauty of this region is what we found was people were going into store to try something on or to see or to, to feel it. They were going online and to buy it or they were going online to research it and going into the store to get that physical experience. So omni-channel kind of is, was the next, ele- uh, next uh, stage, yeah. if you like. And then I think that, that, which brings us up to today, and I think omnichannel is a, is a well-used term, and it's mm. interesting, people still use the term BTL, people still use the term shopper, promo, uh, omnichannel, but really, you know, again, the, where we are now as a, as a company, we, we talk about unified commerce. Mm. And so, you know, and, and to link back to this kind of blurred lines thing, there, every brand has a commerce requirement, and actually commerce is becoming more and more central to what people want. So when we talk about commerce, very it's important to say we're not talking about e-commerce. There are so many uh, aspects to commerce that mm. might be traditional. It might be what we call Q-commerce, so the Insta shops and the fast purchase type things, Q-commerce. E-commerce, as I mentioned, but then e-commerce. Why is it Q-commerce? I don't know that term. So it's quicker. quicker. It's, okay, it's, yeah, not so, QR code. No, no, no. Quicker. So quick commerce. So it's okay. the fastest way. I mean, even if you look at this region, oh, I think amazing. I mentioned this to you before. But yeah, like click to buy. Uh, yeah, but, it, but even if you look at traditionally this region, and if you look at places like Saudi with the uh, healthcare pharmacies are a really good example. So we've always been able to make a phone call to the pharmacy and within 30 minutes, something's 
been at the door or mm. to Starbucks or to your local corner shop. Obviously, that's always been there. That's been there for about 10 years. Um, so that quick and need for something fulfillment has always been there. Obviously, what we're seeing now with the, uh, with the development of apps and, uh, and direct-to-consumer models, whether it be food or whether it be golf balls or whatever that might be yeah. that that's been that that has been elevated even more but so what we mean about unified commerce is um it, and i mentioned this so i'll come back to this point now about point of sale we used to talk about pos we used to be known as a pos agency yeah uh, and everyone thought that meant posters and wobblers yeah wobb the wobbler agency is yeah, something, something positioned by the till so you buy that you yeah buy that bar is yeah, into yeah. your basket exactly very physical exactly so the pos and everyone it was always a, it was a bit of a kind of media if you remember that everyone kind of turned their nose away yeah. at because it, it felt like the end of the the end of the day when you've done all your glamorous comms that you need to you know uh, ship yeah. and shape up a couple of squares for your wobblers my, my first ever job in marketing is in 2006 and we had six sheet newspaper boxes outside news agents with posters and it was a pos job pos marketing yeah. but it was so old school so yeah. traditional <laughs> out of home you know but yeah. it's, it's like all yeah days. and that, and but i think that's so when we, when we talk unified commerce now the interesting thing is pos at point of sale is everywhere so you and i could sit here now and, and buy something you know there's there's amazing stats that so amount, the amount of purchase that's made before people go to sleep, sitting in bed, buying, searching through really? and buying and purchasing there. So, so that's now the digital mobile version of the point of sale. Exactly. It's everywhere. So, you know, you could be in a restaurant, uh, scan a QR code, make a purchase. You could be flicking through Instagram, see something, hit that, make a purchase. You yeah. could be on what you can purchase through WhatsApp. Point of sale is now everywhere. So you know, it's, you know what I find so interesting about this, Nick, and I didn't really understand this in terms of marketing and I kind of can't believe that I missed it in terms of we've been educated for the last few years to think of that as lower funnel performance marketing and we've almost forgotten the creative part of it absolutely how do you remind clients that 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 example of in the mall in the store how do you remind them that that's possible in a digital virtual world and I, I think that's that's the role that geometry vml wine our commerce play in effect right so again a brand can go to tiktok or a brand can go to amazon and say you know help me sell more of this product and that's fine but it's a very singular narrow view of the mix yeah? cost per click or yeah. exactly and and, and the, it, it will produce results but again we've just spoken about us as sh shoppers or consumers first of all as shoppers we don't we don't shop that way. We don't go to one place and buy stuff. We go everywhere. Yeah, we walk we walk down the street. We talk to friends. We go on different social channels. We do mm -hmm. we you know you have your email alerts that come through. Everything's reminding you. So be it taking a singular view, and um, you know and, and of course it's again going back to you know how traditional media works, right? Traditional media media houses want you to work with one media. They don't want you to work with lots. So I think from a from a geometry of email one our commerce, we're able to take that holistic view. And really look at so going back to path to purchase where we talked about path to purchase trigger to purchase mm. path to purchase is now trigger because you still there is a moment that inspires you to want it again it could be you and I talking about watches or it mm. could be something you you heard on the radio or it you know it, it could be something you you saw on Instagram yeah. there's a trigger yeah? I, I was I was in the gym this morning and there was a really good uh, friend of mine triathlete and we talked about I have a back injury and he said have you used this gun this he has a terror gun 
right? And since I've come to the office, he sent me three videos on yeah, Facebook, yeah. and he showed me the app that yeah. gives you the workouts yeah. with the Terragun. Yeah. And I'm so it's two thousand dirhams or it's four hundred dollars. I'm already sold. Yeah. yeah. Because because I know that I can get the demos of the app. But at what point can you help with that? How can you make that experience? At what where you know in terms of like me having the right video to use the Terragun and to help me purchase, where does the creative come there? So we so we have kind of four key areas to our business. Uh, the first one we, you know, we, we, I would call, I would title attract. So it's the path to purchase in effect. Yeah? So from trigger to the moment when you're on the, you're on the dance floor and you're about to make, you make that purchase. So how do we, so again, we would look at uh, the research and data we have for you as a consumer. Where do you go? What are your habits? You will now take the back injury yeah. inspiration and you will go and start to look yourself and make Research, up your own mind. Yeah. So we're able to obviously, you know, with our, again, with our media partners and with the client's data that we have and really start to map out where people are going to be. Mm. Then importantly, the type of communication has got to be quite different. So the creative uh, requirement comes in, we used to call it matching luggage, right? So you'd have one visual and you'd shape it to all different sizes of luggage. So that doesn't work, okay. right? You don't need to see the same thing, same piece of communication about about the, yeah. the back product again and again. You want to see inspirational communication at certain places, you and that might be very, what we'd call extrinsic or emotive. So how does that make me feel? How will that help, how will that help me? How, how will I be better mm. is what you want to hear. As you go into other places and you're nearing purchase, the comms changes much more to much more rational, much more uh, intrinsic communication. So what are the benefits? Where's the best place to buy it? Specs, uh, prices. Specs, prices. So, that, so, so it's again, it's funneling, but it's it's looking at the types of places you'll be. Again, it, it, you're talking about triathlon. We could be talking about golf. We, talk, we could be talking about motor enthusiasts. Sure. We could be talking about sports drinks. There's places people go as they make those decisions. So our job is to map those out. But then, all, and again, we, it's it's vast. So that could be through a social channel. It could be through a website. It could be through traditional media. Still, mm. there's still a you know big space for that. Um, and then obviously the creative uh, executions we do can be they can be they can be video. They could be static. They could be um, it could be audio. And then obviously as you go through, you know, we're, we're looking at a, a, a very different creative solution. So once the, a big part of when I talk about attract, so path to purchase, a big part of what we do as an agency as well is in the interacts so of experience. So we have a big experiential arm because we believe that experiences drive purchase mm. until pre the pandemic, physical experience was a big deal. Again, that that experience so you set you up that brand activation that people are impressed by when they go to the event or the mall yeah, yeah. that's you guys it's a part of the pro yeah. it's part of the purchase process so that could be you know that could have been a, a, an event with thousands and thousands of people it could be a festival it could be a very small mm. you know one to few one to many um uh, personalized experience where you're gonna you know you're gonna buy a very expensive car yeah but that experience that physical experience especially yeah. for the higher actually not not just for but for the higher end purchase when you make a you know a significant life purchase yeah. you want that experience and that's where certainly in luxury mm -hmm. uh the challenge has been in e-commerce because when you go in to buy a chanel handbag or a rolex watch or a pair of shoes you lose a lot by buying it online and it arriving at your door because the physical experience of it arri of arriving definitely isn't, you go into the street you go into that, you yeah. go yeah 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 <laughs> I, met, I, met, I met your mum the yeah. uh, the physical you know the going into a boutique sitting down having a coffee talking about the product you're you're about to mm. purchase is is huge so 
The experiential part, which is, again, we talk about, is part of the past path to purchase, is incredibly important. Obviously, what we've been doing a lot within the businesses is moving to digital experiences. So we have a product called LDX, Live Digital Experiences, where we brought that, as much as we can, that physical experience into the virtual space. You know, and we've worked a lot with, with other aggregators so people get physical deliveries to their, to their home, but at the same time, you still have a, a digital experience. So that's, been, that's made up for it. And again, that will continue. That's a, a, a different subject again. And so that experience plays a big part in purchase. And that's where the creativity comes in again. That all has to be um, consistent. So from that, that trigger and the, and the first information you see and that very emotive, how does it make me feel? Again, buying a car through to the experience has to link together in, in different ways and send mm. different messages. And then through to, as I say, that purchase point. So I said, I talked about attract, interact, act. So the act of actually physically buying and that purchase might take place in a store still. And mm. it does. And I think it, we talk about the growth of e-commerce and it's clear to see it's growing massively and it's big, 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 but, but people, but the, the, the data again, doesn't show how much physical purchase is still happening. You know, if you go into your, local car for it's still as busy as ever if you go into the, the dubai mall or the galleria mall in abu dhabi you will still see clients, it's yeah. busy yeah they're one of our clients yeah. and and i think um and so i think you know this there's a huge role to play especially in this region with the physical experience mm. still and it's about tying those things together and the last the last part just to finish off on that is you know post that post purchase it's the it, it's post purchase and how do we then inspire repurchase? So okay. it's the the, the reaction yeah. side. Yeah, exactly. So just it's a, the language that people might think of in their marketing, but thinking it more holistically and creatively. Uh, what have, you know? What have you seen? You, you talked about experiential events, and I remember working with you uh, years ago. And on JBR, there was an activity, yeah, experiential well thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, but you know, who does that? And the idea behind it. And then in the last twelve months, I've seen them. And I know you don't really want to single out all your clients and, right. and praise them because for favoritism. But I, I, I will on your behalf and yeah, say the good work. But you've done really good work with Twitter. That's won awards in the past and you've done recent work for their uh, virtual conferences which yep. isn't necessarily a transaction but it's still an experience yep. and it stands out so but what has the data shown you Nick in the last 12 months like we talk about e-commerce but what's happened really in this region in 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 the pandemic so I think as I said it, it the, the stats and the facts are there to see the rise of e-commerce has been incredible and again it Sometimes it's just easier to talk as a human being and as a shopper and the way that you've the way you've changed your own shopping set. And I think, you know, pre the pandemic, people were still ordering online. Pre the pandemic, people had a roster of places they bought they purchased from. You know, they might have used one direct to consumer model. Let's just add let's put it into food. Food's easier, right? So mm. you might have used the Kibsons, for example, direct to consumer model, right? Yeah. Once a month. You may have uh, you may have got shopped at Carrefour once a month and done a big shop. True. You may have popped a spinnies. You may have used a bit of Insta shop when you couldn't didn't want to leave and you may have called your local pharmacy. You, you know, you would have probably had a roster of of places you purchase. And if I put that into specialism like bikes, this where there's websites you would have bought things off that that's always been there pre the pandemic. Obviously what what's happened in the pandemic is it, it became a matter of necessity. So particularly during the, the, the tough lockdown. Um, we had that moment where people were stuck at home. Um, there were, I think, do you remember? We, I think we were allowed to go out for one shop every yeah. three days or something. And obviously, everyone was scared to do that. So, 
uh, it was it it moved because one because of convenience and two because of safety mm. and so obviously when people went to that that when people made that move for, mm. to, to start to look at what else there was out there and how else could I make that purchase they have they, they hadn't they've now they are still coming back because I say look at the shops but that but that roster of ways in which you could the, the, the different places you buy different things has become so much greater and I think that's been the that's been the most significant change. Mm. Um, so we're seeing, you know, again, we're seeing uh, I- I- huge amounts of startups. So again, there's more and more. Uh, you know, every product almost has a direct consumer model. Uh, so are your clients now those startups? Are they the quick commerce clients? Are you working with them to help that experience? Yeah. So we work we work with retailers um, mm. as well to, to 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 support them. Predominantly, we work with with brand owners, and we're seeing, you know, that's the battleground now. So whereas we would have you know, traditionally built uh, an in-store experience in a physical retail store. We're also building in-store experiences on Instashop or on El Grocer or on Amazon or on Noon. Mm. So we're, we're it's the same principles, but applied to the to the virtual world. Okay. So yeah, there's a hunger for it. It's the it's the buzzword. It's certainly commerce is the big word. Yeah. But I think you know it's so multifaceted as I'm saying here. It's very difficult for for any marketing agency or brand to really own it. Mm. Um, but ultimately, you know, we're driving sales and going back to things like the Twitter work, which we're, you know, immensely proud of, and it's a great partner of ours. There's still, um, if we bring commerce up a level to conversion, mm. ultimately what we're doing with all of our work is, is a behavior change or a behavior piece of inspiration. So even the work we're doing with Twitter is B2B focused. So there, there we're, we're, you know, we're trying to drive conversion through a slightly different audience through inspiration. So mm. it's the same principles that apply. What, how would you call uh, taking a, a level around the status quo uh, of advertising landscape? Wh- where would you say we are now? Is it, is it, uh, are you trying, is the industry trying to prove itself? Is it trying to justify itself in an ROI digital world? Do you think that there's, you know, obviously, um, where I'm coming from with this is the markup of these holding groups yeah. is lower than it was in its heyday. Yeah. Uh, is that going to continue? Is there a revival? Um, you know, you, we can speak passionately about uh, our work, but what's the need in this and how does the wider world see the advertising uh, industry? Yeah, I mean, it's, again, it's, it's terminology, right? So the advertising industry, if you called it the advertising industry, I think I think they'd see it fairly... Um, Redundant, I think, if you could, if you could, if you termed it that. But as I as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, when we're talking about uh, communications, the need for communications, you know, whether that be public relations or, or use of media is and, and smart communicate. I mean, we've seen it. The way in which communications was handled in this country during during the mm-hmm. pandemic was incredible. Right? Mm-hmm. So communications is always going to be incredibly important. Um, commerce, as we covered in detail, so I won't go to it much. Experience mm-hmm. um, and technology. That's the industry. Okay. Right? So, so advertising, in, 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 as we, as you would term it, is, 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 is not right. It's, it's a part of what we do as a group, but yeah. and we, and it's a service we, 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 we do offer and we do, it and, we, and we do it incredibly well. But um, you know, I think the big thing is, is WPP are the largest in what we do. We call ourselves a creative transformation company, and it's that creativity part which sets us apart from maybe other consultants and such. So, Definitely. yeah, we're, we're, you know, as much as it's been, it's been, it's been tough. Um, for all all uh, elements of the of marketing over over the last twelve months, but 
it, we're seeing certainly in this region things are mo things are moving it's busy and there's a yeah. lot of things coming uh, coming back to life and and those elements and those skill sets and I can only I can I can only talk really for again our part of the business but that need for sales and conversion across industries is 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 bigger than ever so at the moment um, where do you see the opportunities especially for this region in terms of the emerging trends what are the key trends that you would kind of bet on to emerge post pandemic I think um, so again going back to that physical experience I think we are at a moment where we are we cannot wait to get back and I know there's no such thing as normal but I yeah. think that that desire and hunger for travel hmm. and for um, you know going back into football games exactly sports. I think it's just it's it's inherently in all of us I think I think it will you know it will take a long time obviously for us to get comfortable with that hmm. but it's there that hunger and desire so I think it's important that both brands and um, marketing agency partners and even yourself you're able, we're able to think ahead of that so you know some of the work we're doing is thinking ahead to 2024 2025 what will physical experiences look like then? I think the beauty of them will be that there'll always be this virtual element. You know, tech has come on so quickly in experiences, mm. but marrying of the two is going to be incredibly important. So that's a that's a really big, big, big bet for us. That's quite exciting because I know we talked about it off air before about you know you mentioned 24 25 but that's actually a brief that you have it's a global mandate for a client to look at this so yep. from a user point of view if we're going to qatar or some people i know they can't travel to tokyo but the expo in dubai you know not only will it be the new normal in terms of our back to an event there's abundance of creativity absolutely. about to hit them. Absolutely. <laughs> there's these experiences they're going to be kind of hit with. Exactly. And I think, you know, brands obviously, you know, have a have a role to play in that. Um, a perp and you know, finding purpose, sustainability. These are these are kind of key opportunities for brands to to to, to ensure that people get those experiences they're yeah. craving for as well. So yeah, that will be that will be a big part. Um, and as I said, I think, you know, the our commerce big bet uh, is very clear to see. And Definitely. I think, you know, understanding that it, 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 you know it's we're not gonna we're never gonna own commerce in totality we're very good at the parts i've spoken to you about which is again looking at why how people why people purchase how people purchase and how we can amplify that for mm. for our clients so with the experience you're at that sort of uh you know that touching point with the customer more so than other parts yeah. of marketing in terms of concepts as well but can I just ask this question in terms of restricted marketing, but also with a, you mentioned the word brand purpose. There was a hullabaloo on the internet last week in the US about um, a tech company on, you know, not allowing politics being discussed in the office and things like that. Where, where do you see, and we see global companies doing purpose-driven marketing. What's your view on it? And where do you see we are in the Middle East in terms of, um, how are brands creating a voice for them in, in, in the world that we live in? Okay, and again, I, I, I can't, um, you know, I, I, missed, I missed that one in terms of the, in terms of the, the issue. Uh, Basecamp, the, the small company, 60 people, the CEO said you can't talk about politics at the water cooler. And okay. Coinbase actually said this last year before they IPO'd that we won't have, we won't come out and say X subject is important or not. 
So they don't actually, you know, you know, when people, when CEOs call out privacy or they call out something yeah. or, or Nike lead with an issue, yeah. I'm going to say Nike, but, but yeah. for example, purpose driven marketing and taking on cause related yeah. issues. Yeah. No, I think so it's, it's, it's becoming a part of every brief we tackle. Uh, oh, and really? I think if you think, um, if you, if you look back at some of the, a lot of the work that was won at the recent Dubai links, obviously the, the big awards for this region, an awful lot of the work is purpose driven. Yeah. Really? So. You, you can sense and see that the the work that brands are doing, there is a, a common theme in terms of it's helping or it's it's supporting or it's a particular group of, of people or an issue that it's tackling the work. And you can see that right the way all, all through the work. Um, you know, it's becoming it's becoming harder and harder for brands to ignore it. And if you think about certain topics, again, let's pick up on sustainability, for example. Okay. Massive on every on every uh, uh, multinational business's agenda. And obviously, a lot of the stuff that they're doing is very much behind the scenes. So it's stuff that's being done for sustainability reports and investment. You don't necessarily see it. What we're able to do from a marketing perspective is put some of that in the eyes of the of the of people. Now, where the challenge comes is that if some certain traditional brands, and again, I'll be careful as I talk around this, it's very difficult for a, a food manufacturer with lots of sugar to talk about healthy eating. It's very difficult for uh, a media company to talk about uh, yeah, uh, uh, What about a, a, a tobacco company? Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you, if you look at what's going on in restricted markets, like, you know, in restricted business like tobacco, I mean, it's, it's, it's no sign that they're moving away from tobacco into, into new generation uh, products and away, away from tobacco. So there's a, there's a big move there happening and again mm. if you look at sugary drinks it's it's a move to non-sugary drinks so mm. the big multinationals are doing that right the way through anything which was maybe seen as um haram or mm. uh, uh anti uh, and uh, or, or not a positive sign for a company to be making money that you know they're addressing that and very much softening that so yeah, yeah we're seeing we're seeing a lot more i think the challenge is is it's it's not something necessarily which is tackled at are part of the marketing mix mm. it's tackled at a much higher level but we have to play a part as well and i think Definitely. i think the most important thing is that if it's done with a brand it's done with good intentions and that it's not it doesn't feel false or forced because i think that's the worst the worst way it can it can be mm. fascinating so uh, nick we're almost out of time but i always finish on what your view is of the middle east as an emerging market yeah will that market emerge in your view of course you know <laughs> I, I you know I, I say i fly the flag and i'm you know vastly proud of of the you know of, of having worked in in London, having worked in that industry, and so it was it was wonderful, and I enjoyed every second of it, and the, the speed and the pace. But but truly, um, working here and leading an agency here, I I, see, I really believe in the potential of this region and the work we're doing, cutting edge. You'll see a lot of the agencies are winning global awards. We've won a lot of global awards, as, as you mentioned here. at the beginning. You know what's happening across the markets. We're seeing big experiential-based briefs coming our way. We're seeing, you know, commerce briefs. We're seeing governmental uh, opportunities coming. It's 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 fast-paced. It's frantic. It's exciting. But as I say, ultimately, the it's that opportunity to build this multinational talent base. And if we can do that with the opportunities that are here, there's there's no reason I you know this this in what we do it can't be it can't be number one amazing amazing and you touched on it earlier about the diversity we talk about diversity but diversity in creativity and solutions for brands is incredible yeah. because of it needs to be communications yeah. 
Um, but Saudi Arabia, you, I know you, you were there a lot before the pandemic and yeah. you'd be going back again. How crucial is that market in terms of the emergence of the region? Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a given, of course, isn't it, the question? The, I think um, the ambitions, obviously, you, know, I, you can't fail to be excited by the ambitions of Dubai. Of Dubai. You can't fail. I mean, it's, it's, it's inspiring. Yeah. I, think, I think every company that, that is here has to kind of live by those ambitions as well and, want, and have the same the same uh, mentality of wanting to be number one and wanting to strive to be better and wanting to keep improving. As we mentioned with Eddie at the start, right? it's, a, yeah. it's a very similar vein. I think everyone should adopt that same mentality. But then with what's happening in Saudi, again, it's just an, it's another layer even even above. The ambitions are even bigger. And obviously, um, you know, we're starting to see a lot of the those opportunities materialize with mm. what's happening with the, the Giga projects. And we're also working, again, our, our, we run brands across the region, so MENA or MISA, even into South Asia. Mm. And our brands are wanting to wanting to yeah, do more in Saudi. And, and, and I think Saudi will evolve and evolve and evolve. Mm. And even, again, in the commerce space, watch it go as quick. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to move even faster and we're yeah. going to see even more innovation. We're going to see even more startups. Um, and it's an incredibly exciting time. Amazing. So you, you're optimistic and you see more global awards out of... Big time. Yeah, of course. VML, why not? Always ambitious. Always <laughs> ambitious. Amazing. No, no, absolutely. Well, great to chat as always, Nick. Thanks right, so much right. for your time today. And we could talk forever, but really good. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> a lot, Rich. Thanks for having and, me on. Yeah, and we'll have you back again when we're at, at events, hopefully. Great stuff. Thanks, right. Nick. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Please do check out more Dubai Works episodes and other shows over on Smashy.tv. You can follow us on social media and download our app, which is available on iOS, Android, and all good smart TVs. See you next week.